Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Watching Rum Buncher Radio. This is the 2021 Major League Baseball Draft Special. Nick Caparoso and Trey Hannity. We're missing our third partner of the trio, Marty Leap, today. He's going to be back with us next week to break down this draft and preview the trade deadline as well. But Nick, a very exciting day. A huge day today, Nick, one we have been anticipating for quite some time. And, you know, a pick, obviously, the Pirates have put a lot of thought into and one that has changed in in many different ways. We thought it was going to be Kumar Rocker at first. We had that pick as early as the beginning of last season, the 60-game year. We thought it was going to be Jack Leiter for a while. Now the high school shortstops emerge and some other players as well. Uh, you know, but Nick, before we get started... Uh, talking about the number one pick. Let's talk about Ben Charrington and what we expect him to do with this draft overall. Last year, we saw a lot of college arms. We saw, you know, a lot of righties, guys like that, a lot of athletic, you know, double sport athlete type guys. Do we see a lot of that again this year? What's the overall strategy and what do you think his mindset is going in to tonight? You know, the best the best talent available, who he thinks is the best talent, too. And that's one thing I want people to understand. You know, if we look back at the Joe Musgrove trade and the Jamison Tyon trade, um, there wasn't that slam dunk prospect that people all knew, right? But now we know those prospects. They had what I've been referring to as upward arrows, guys who are on the rise, and I think very much we're going to see him doing that with this draft class. You're going to see him targeting, like you said, guys who are athletes, um, you know, maybe play multiple sports in high school, potentially committed to another sport college-wise, which we'll get into a little later. But, you know, pitchers who have power stuff, not necessarily based off their size. They can be six foot one or they can be six foot five. It's more about the actual stuff, the spin rates, the, like I said, the high velocity. And once again, the athleticism on the mound. I think Ben Charrington overall looks for athletic prospects because let's face it. If you can play shortstop, if you can play center field, chances are you can play other positions around you. But also, athleticism allows the prospects to make the adjustments that the front office is looking for. And that's something that our last front office really lacked on that is different between this front office and them. They're not only targeting the right players, but they're targeting the type of players who have the capability to make those changes, to make those progressions that they're looking for. Um, because they're athletes and they can, you know, reach that launch angle. They can reach that mechanical change in the pitching uh, windup to, uh, you know, kind of take that fastball to the next step. So 
that's what I expect is him to continue and target highly athletic um, players. And uh, yeah. You know, it's it's the modern player, and we saw them do it not only in the guys they drafted last year, but in some of the guys they target in these trades and signings and everything else. Nick Gonzalez comes to my mind first. I mean, that's a kid that is very athletic and one that can move through this organization quickly. That's something they've really looked for. And, you know, you talk about the number one overall pick, and we'll get into it here, uh, you know, throughout the rest of this show. And we're going to talk about the second round, the third round as well, but obviously the focus is 1-1. This is a pick that that can change everything for the organization. I mean, this can be your ace for the next, you know, five, 10 years. This could be your shortstop of the future, a guy that's, you know, hitting you 30 home runs and and driving in who knows how many. I mean, this is your player of the future. When you think about the timing of it all, do you think that, and, you know, we've seen statements come out this week from Ben Sherrington about it. Do you think that the timing has anything to do with what they're going to do with 1-1? Um, you know, or, or is Marcelo Meyer and Jack Leiter on the same timeline in their heads? So this is something I've been talking about for a while. Um, hitters, timelines. I mean, when you're talking 1-1, right, you're looking for the best player that you can get. You don't care if he can come up next year. You don't care if he comes up in three years. You're looking for the guy that people can look back at that draft and say, like, yeah, wow, they nailed it with the first pick. And the Pirates, unfortunately, don't have that player like we see typically. You know, even last year, we saw a guy like Spencer Torkelson, who was kind of viewed as like a can't-miss first overall pick guy. Like people knew going into the draft he was going to be it. He wasn't even viewed as, say, like a Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg, like level of 1-1. But people still knew like, hey, like chances are like he's the pick and he makes sense we don't even seem to have that consensus this year. Um, And so a lot of people, right, are throwing out, so should they be focusing on a player who can come up during that 2023 uh, competitive window? And quite honestly, if you're going to draft a player at 1-1 and you really believe in that player as a a future stud, you don't really need to worry about their timeline. Chances are if you're drafting a guy in 2021 and he's going to, uh, work out at 1-1 and rake just like you would expect the first overall pick too he's probably going to fly through the system so whether it's a high school kid or a college bat or a college arm um, you know I, I don't think that their timeline is going to necessarily affect the the future window of the Pirates I think that's the idea and that's what you know they've been talking about when they have released statements on it and everything else on Ben Sherrington here, Nick, before we move on to that number one overall pick, how important is this looking back at his legacy? This is, you know, he had a number, what, eight pick last year, number seven? Seven, uh, yep. Seven, a high pick, but this is 1-1. One, one. You know, when we look back at the legacy of Ben Sherrington with the Pittsburgh Pirates, how important is it that he gets this pick right? It's very important. I mean, it, you know, it's – Important for any team to get that first overall pick right. You see what can happen if you don't. You can see how far behind you can set your organization if you miss with those top flight picks. Um, you know, the Baltimore Orioles seem like they've been in rebuild mode for years, and part that's partly because of their lack of, um, you know, successful drafting with those top five, seven picks they've had year in and year out. 
And that's what Ben Charrington's hoping to avoid here. Um, you know, you ask what it means for his legacy. It means getting out of the basement. You know, hopefully this team is not picking at number one, you know, again, going forward. That would mean that the pipeline is starting to produce um, actual talent to the major league level and this team's getting better. And like I said, you know, the overall goal, we're looking at the Tampa Bay Rays and, you know, you want to make a farm system that can continue to develop major league Ray talent without having a pick towards the top and the Tampa Bay Rays have done it. And I, Ben Sherrington wants to do that same thing. And uh, it starts with this pick. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, getting them out of the basement, everything that they've done, they've been realistic about from the get go and they've made moves on a, you know, really strategic rebuild. This pick is a big piece of that. And I think they have a very strategic plan to go along with it. Let's talk about it, Nick. Number one overall, the Pirates obviously last year finished with the worst record in Major League Baseball. They pick at the top. We've had some debates about this, and you know this conversation has shifted big time over the course of the last year and a half. But as we stand right now, and we've done two mock drafts on our podcast leading up to this, you guys can find that where you can find the rest of our podcast, Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Go check those out. But Nick, our final mock draft before the pick, tonight at 7 p.m. That's Eastern time in Denver, Colorado. Who do you got? I'll give you my pick afterwards. It's a little bit more mainstream, I'm assuming, but uh, your final projection here before tonight's pick. Uh, my final projection is for the team to to take high school shortstop Marcella Meyer. All arrows are still pointing towards that. Um, the experts are still pointing towards that. Kylie McDaniel recently released his final mock draft and you know, he listed Meyer as the likely number one pick, but it's not a foregone conclusion. Um, Khalil Watson, along with Henry Davis, the catcher, uh, Ali, are also in a conversation. But Marcelo Meyer, it looks like, is going to be the pick. I'm happy with the pick. He is everything you want in a, um, you know, potential five-tool shortstop. So, yeah, that's where I think they'll go. That would be a great pick. There's there's no going wrong with any of the names that you just mentioned. Let me ask it to you like this. And, you know, we've looked at all these mock drafts and everything else, seeing what the experts are saying. But from what you can gather from what Ben Sherrington has said to the media and, you know, just kind of the vibe you're getting from him, what do you think his mindset is right now as we stand just a few hours away from this number one overall pick? Who do you think that name is in his mind? Um, yeah, I think it, it makes sense for any of those hitters. Ben Charrington has proven in his draft history that he likes to target hitting early and acquire pitching in other ways via trade or just later in the draft. Guys that you know he specifically likes, like we saw last year, right? They took the elite hitter, Nick Gonzalez, got some arms uh, later in the draft. Now, that was very much a different type of draft. We saw him take what five arms and one hitter. So you definitely can look towards this year's draft and expect him to be trying to really focus on grabbing the the best bat possible with that first pick. And uh, that's why I believe that he'll go in that direction. Yeah. I think that's, you know, kind of the idea the the way it's been leaning at least as of late. And for a while, you know, Jack Leiter seemed like that guy and it was, the timetable you can get him up faster he's faced a, a more elite hitter than maybe a Jordan Lawler has um you know and vice versa obviously facing pitchers at the high school level along with Marcelo Meyer and some of those other high school bats but 
that conversation shifted and now it looks like Marcelo Meyer, the shortstop from California, is probably going to be that number one pick. I'm with you now, Nick. I, I was leaning Jack Leiter even up until this week. I, you know, my mindset was draft Jack Leiter, draft Jack Leiter. But the more you think about it, you can get Marcelo Meyer up in a in a quick amount of time. And by the time you get him up, you have your infield ready. You know, you have a pitching staff that is going to be deadly from the way it looks right now. It's not like Jack Leiter is you know, this team's in desperate need of, of a Jack Leiter. They have some guys that could be that. And either way, you're not drafting for need, number one overall. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm with you. I think it's going to be Marcelo Meyer, and that's that's a safe pick, and that's a fair pick. So we talk about Trey, guys like – Trey, I think, I think you're on point, bud, um, if I must say. Like, yeah. Jack Leiter, by all accounts, could be a very good pitcher in the big leagues. But if – like we've talked about before, just any pitcher in general, their elbow is a ticking time bomb. And if not their elbow, okay. then maybe their shoulder, right? Like there's going to be hiccups along the way. Pitchers are harder to develop. You don't, you can't project them as easily as hitters. You can't control them as easily as hitters either, right? You can't, like I said, their arms are ticking time bombs. They don't know necessarily you know, when that elbow ligament's going to pull, right? So there's a lot of risk in taking a pitcher first overall. It's nothing against Jack Leiter, okay? We all watched him in the College World Series. He looks solid, but we also saw, you know, some of the question marks arise. If those question marks weren't there, this would be a different conversation. But there's risk in Jack Leiter at first overall, just like there's risk in a high school prep shortstop. So you got to weigh that risk. And when you're weighing that risk, you're looking at saying a bat is a lot safer, less likely to get injured, and more likely that we can move them through the system quicker if they have that advanced uh, approach that we believe a guy like Marcelo Meyer or Henry Davis or Khalil Watson has. Exactly. I mean, it's... it's High action, and it's a small body, and he's had a lot of that over the last four years, three years, and you know Especially throughout like Vanderbilt. Yeah, exactly. Vanderbilt. They use their the Vandy way. The Vandy way. I mean, you know, Kumar Rocker as well, and you know, we talk about guys like Jack Leiter and Kumar, and you know, it's probably not meant to be with the Pirates, but where do you see them going? Kumar has been projected going even as far as number nine or, or number 10. And, you know, Jack Leiter, if not taken number one overall by the Pirates, is probably the number two or the number three pick. But where do you see them shaking out? Do you think this is a, a genuine worry across baseball that these guys have thrown a ton and, you know, maybe there's some injury risk there and, and everything else? And to be fair, Kumar didn't look like what we expected to see him as coming into this season. Where do they stand now? Yeah, I'm, and you're you're right. Like Kumar, definitely his draft stock has been affected more by you know the last couple months and lighters. Lighter is still very much in that conversation. I'm sure the Pirates are doing their due diligence on lighter at one one, um, but yeah, I think lighter has a chance definitely to go number two to the Texas Rangers. The Rangers are obviously a team in rebuild mode. Um, just looking at their farm system overall, the Rangers have always been an offensive oriented farm system. So getting a guy like Jack Leiter would give them, you know, a really nice uh, pitcher to build around with that. You know, there have been reports that Jack Leiter is trying to push himself down the draft board. Um, there's been some murmurs that he would, he, his preference is to go to the Red Sox and he will kind of balk at any of the other offers until he goes there. So I could, you know, in today's 
draft and how it, how it's set up. This allows players to kind of do this if they would like. So the Red Sox, obviously lighter, the last name makes a ton of sense going to a, a place that he would like to be for marketability. But yeah, so I, I think you'll see lighter definitely go in that range of two to three, uh, two to four. I don't think he will go to the Tigers. They've invested a lot into pitching. They're definitely focusing um, elsewhere. So I think two or four for lighter. Kumar, he's interesting. Uh, like you said, he's really sliding down the boards right now. Um, all signs, I think, would make sense for him to go maybe at pick seven to the Kansas City Royals. They're looking – the Royals are just another team that's kind of – in rebuild a little ahead of the Pittsburgh pirates right now, they are competing a little more. They've brought in a little more major league talent. So Kumar rocker can make a lot of sense for them. Like we've talked about before, uh, you know, just a few minutes ago, I should say that the timeline idea might come into play a little more for the Kansas city Royals who are looking at, you know, a guy who was once projected to be the top pick in the draft. Uh, yeah, he's not there anymore, but, you know, we're still getting a big time talent and a guy who we think can move through our system quickly. So I think Kumar Rocker to the Royals at seven can make sense. And obviously him at eight to the Rockies, I don't see him getting past them just because it's the Rockies. Let's be honest. They're always looking for high upside pitching. And I think they would love to see Kumar land to them. Yeah, rocker to the Rockies. I like it. You know, maybe Jack Leiter, uh, if he doesn't get picked at one by the Pirates, he'll figure out a way to, to work himself down to number 37. I don't know. We'll see what we got. But I, I see it. Um, the Red Sox would make a lot of sense. I haven't heard that yet, but I, I like that take. I mean, that's, um, you know, that, that makes all, all signs definitely point in that direction. And Kumar would be a, a great Royal in their rebuild. And, you know, I could see him to the Rockies as well. We'll see how it shakes out. The first round is going to be a lot of fun. We'll move along. This is a Pirates podcast. So we're going to go down to pick number 37 and talk about who the Pirates take in the second round. Um, you know, what's the expectation here? Are there intriguing picks like Jaden Hill that are, you know, maybe going to slide down to this spot? Or, you know, who else is going to be available at number 37 for the Pirates to take? Do they go with an arm if they don't take uh, Jack Leiter with that number one overall pick? So I actually have changed um, my thought process with this pick a little bit. Originally, I thought two two things. I thought either one, they would kind of go um, college and a little safer and try to save some money. And whether it would be a pitcher or a hitter, and then maybe really ante up for that number 64 pick. And then my other thought was, okay, this is where they get that that high school arm that they're going to have to overpay. But I'm, I'm actually thinking they're going to stick with hitters. Uh, like I said, I, I think looking at what Ben Charrington's done, especially over the last year between the draft and the couple big trades he made, he's brought in a lot of pitching. And I know you can never have too much pitching, but like I said, Hit the way his mentality is, he focus on, focuses on hitters early in the draft. I think he'll go back to hitting. Um, he will have to take a player who, you know, he's gonna he's gonna pay a little bit over. Um, the guy that I've seen going to them at number thirty-seven overall is someone that Marty would be ecstatic about. It's well, maybe not. It's 
outfielder Lonnie uh, White Jr. He's a outfielder from Melvern Prep who's also, I think, like a four- or five-star uh, football recruit committed to Penn State. So this is the type of player that Ben Charrington targets. We've talked about this before. Highly athletic going to be able to have tools to play, you know, in this case, he's already in center field. So, you know, he's going to be able to handle left or right field football player, speed, power, right. You know, he has that, um, right now on fan graphs, he's at number 48. Uh, some are a little more bullish on him, believing that he definitely deserves a higher rating than that, but he is a lot of pure athlete. So the question is, is does he, walk from Penn state to play baseball. And the thought process is yes. If they, if the money is there, he is ready to play baseball. Um, the pirates at number 37, if they save the type of money that the belief is they'll save with the first pick, say a million ish dollars, uh, they'll be able to go over that projected, um, 1.9 million, that is for pick 37. They'll be able to give Lonnie White hopefully the money that he wants. And if they do, he quickly will become one of their top outfield prospects in the system, something that they desperately need. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, we could see some outfielders come in a trade or something like that, but drafting for outfielders of the future wouldn't be a bad idea at all with number 37. I know that might not make Marty too happy taking away a linebacker from the Nitty Lines, but. I think he'd be all right if it sacrifices an outfielder for the future Pirates. Uh, let's move along to 64. Do we start to see them draft by need in the third round here? Or, you know, what's kind of the idea with the third round pick? Uh, no, I, I think they'll continue with their strategy of just looking for players who fit their system and fit what they're targeting. Um, I think this is maybe where we finally see them go towards towards pitching. Um if not pitching, you know, there's obviously always the need for catchers out there. This catch catching class is pretty thick in the, in, around this pick at 64. Um, you have a lot of names uh, who could be in play for catchers such as uh, Luke Tresh or Hunter Goodman. But I don't think that Ben Sherrington is going to draft on need. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Like, Hey, is this somewhere we could see a catcher? or more specifically, maybe a pitcher. I do think he will go back into um, the arms, though. So at pick 64, I think they will go back into starting pitching. I think it would go against Ben Charrington's overall um, idea to not at least grab a pitcher on that first day. Uh, a pitcher I could see him targeting. Now, obviously, it's a crapshoot when we're at pick 64 because there's so many variables in play, including signing bonuses and, you know, just in general, who's going to be available, who has, you know, there's 63 picks in front of them. So there's definitely chances there could be some guys who go in different spots and we're projecting. But uh, there's a pitcher out of Alabama who I think they could target. His name's Dylan Smith. He is a right-hand pitcher, uh, decently projectable, six foot two, hundred and eighty pounds. Um, right now, you're looking at an average fastball offering um, can hit ninety-five on the gun to what scouting reports say. But the biggest thing with him, to what I understand, is his breaking pitches. Uh, he's supposed to have a plus slider and a plus curveball, which we saw the Pirates target a pitcher similar in a way last year. 
They took a similar player last year in the third round in Nick Garcia, Chapman University, which is a junior college in California. Um, you know, a pitcher who has a pretty good fastball, maybe isn't the most projectable in the world, but has that spin rate, has that secondary stuff. And Nick Garcia has had a really strong start to his professional career. If you haven't um, looked into him, definitely go check out his uh, stat page. He's a guy to keep an eye on going forward. And that's where I think Dylan Smith could make sense. Just kind of fits what Ben Charrington looks for. Um, and, you know, it's rare that you kind of find a guy whose breaking pitches are actually probably ahead of his uh, fastball. Yeah. You know, you know anything about him, Trey, being from Alabama? Yeah, no, I was just about to say, Nick, I mean, this is a kid that is a really interesting story to follow because he had the projections when he got to the program that, you know, he was going to be one of the weekend starters and started out as just the midweek guy. But but Connor Prelip was the Friday starter for that Alabama team, and he went out week uh, weekend number one. And Dylan Smith kind of had to take over, not the Friday night role necessarily, but they would they would punch him in sometimes on Friday, sometimes Saturday. And throughout the season, people started to really understand about his stuff and that he could be a competitive pitcher in the SEC, obviously a very solid league. And, you know, you look to that SEC tournament, he got a win uh, against Tennessee, a very formidable lineup that, that ended up in Omaha. Um, so, you know, that'd be a very solid third round pick. I think at that point, the pitcher makes a lot of sense for the Pirates. And we saw them have that kind of strategy last year. We talk about the rest of the draft, Nick, and begin to wrap this one up. Fourth round and on, what do you expect the Pirates doing? Any other interesting storylines, the strategy behind how they drafted out the rest of the way? What you see happening uh, as we close it out here on the Rum Bunch Radio Draft Special? Um, I'd expect to see a lot of college players going after those first couple picks, and that's why I think you see them take Marcelo Meyer and Lonnie White or – insert another prep player into one of those first 30 picks um because it's it's hard to project prep players and it's also hard to sign them after the first couple rounds so you're better off waiting until after round 10 to go after some of the prep talent so i think look for them to be going towards college pitchers with those mid-round picks rounds three through ten then when you see that that day turn and they start picking on uh, round 11, the signing bonus rules change a little bit. Any player can get up to a hundred thousand dollars after the 10th round for a signing bonus. Anything over comes out of your draft pool. So any money they save on say pick Marcelo Meyer and maybe that third round pick, uh, not third round pick, I'm sorry, but pick 64, the competitive balance B pick. Uh, they can use towards signing players after that 10th round. Where have we seen this before? Okay, well, you know, fan favorite Max Karanik, who made his debut a couple weeks ago and has pitched last night against the Mets, he is actually was an 11th round guy. He was a prep out of Scranton who got a larger bonus than a hundred thousand. And you can see what kind of player that can turn into. Now, obviously crank has a long way to go, but it's not like he just came out of nowhere. They had, when they drafted him, they, they had high expectations for him. Michael Burroughs, who friend of the podcast and uh, dominating right now down in the minor leagues was an 11th round pick out of the Northeast uh, Connecticut area. He once again 
was going to go to UConn, passed up on that because the Pirates had that extra money to give them. So I definitely would pay attention to that 11th round pick on the third day, if not 11th round, you know, 12th uh, round. They expect to see them take a really high upside uh, prep player uh, with signability questions. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to our boy Michael Burroughs, tearing it up down there. A lot of these minor league guys are. And we're going to have podcasts coming up, you know, our regular episodes talking about everything going on in the minor leagues, the trade deadline preview coming up as well. But, Nick, before we get out of here, your final thoughts as we're now just a couple hours away from the 2021 MLB draft. Just understand that Ben Charrington knows what he's doing. Ben Charrington has been – uh, in the baseball business for a long time. And there's a reason that he stuck around after he was let go or after he resigned, I should say, with the Red Sox, right? Teams scooped him up. Teams wanted him. The Pirates wanted him. Neil Huntington wanted him. Okay? And he, he balked at that. And a big reason was because he wasn't ready. He wanted to study the game. He wanted to learn more about where the game was going. And so he took a year off. And then he signed with Toronto, who – uh, I wrote an article today. Toronto is one of only two teams that has a better ranked farm system than the Pirates by Fangraph. So you can see what Ben Charrington's about. He's about building a f- strong farm system. If you have a strong farm system, you can always be competitive because you always have talent coming up. We talk about this. This wasn't going to be an overnight thing, but you can already start. You can already see the difference in the Pirates minor leagues. I mean, every night they got guys just hitting absolute bombs for the Altoona curve and the Greensboro uh, grasshoppers. They got guys just putting up ridiculous strikeout lines um, down the minors. There's something to be excited about. That buzz is coming back. Understand Ben Charrington is why that the minor leagues are back to what they are. Okay. And this draft is another step in that process. Trust that Ben Charrington knows who he's drafting. Like he has shown before, he has a very good handle. It's really actually above, you know, not just him, but Steven, Steve Sanders, assistant general manager, who has a huge part in the draft as well. These guys are considered to be some of the best prospect, but draft minds in baseball. If yeah. there's people to trust, it's them. Okay. So don't panic. If they don't take the person you were hoping they were going to take with at number one, because chances are they know more than any of us. Right. And I trust that Ben Charrington for sure knows more than any of us. We all want to act like the experts. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to act like the experts in retrospect saying, oh, well, you know, if they had just taken this guy or this guy, whatever, there's going to be controversy any way you draw it. That's something we've tried to emphasize on this podcast. And I think that's something that, you know, is obvious when there's, you know, so many different guys in this draft. There's not a Steven Strasburg type pick. So we're going to have to see how that shakes out. I believe, uh, you know, Marcella Myers, the pick, that's something I think we can all agree on at this point. But, um, you know, Jack Leiter is definitely still in the conversation. Jordan Lawler, other guys as well. That pick coming up in just a little bit, 7 p.m. Uh, Neil Walker going to be making that pick. It's going to be exciting to watch. For Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Entity. Thank you all for joining us for this draft special. As always, you can find us on Omni.com slash RumBunter. You can go to Fansider.com slash RumBunter. Check out this podcast and all the articles we got out right now on the draft and on everything surrounding Pirates baseball. And hit us up on Twitter, at RumBunter. Tweet at us, let you know who they're going to take with this number one pick and who you're excited about for tonight's draft. Have a great week, everybody. Let's go Bucks.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.